Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Again, thank you for having me today on this Epiphany Sunday when we think, remember the wise men who followed the star to Bethlehem to see Jesus. And um, I'm reminded, because I'm from Ireland, I can't help myself. Well, I'm not from Ireland. My parents were from Ireland. But spent a lot of my years of growing up in Ireland. And I'll tell you a bit about the other years of my life, too. But an Irish comedian, he says, I don't know what we're all fascinated with this big, tall, white fella called Jesus. These pictures of Jesus. He's about eight foot tall. Big white fellow with long blonde hair. Jesus couldn't have looked like that, you know. Do you know where Jesus was born? The people where he was born didn't look like that. And if you ever go there, they're always short people too. He says, I'm thinking Danny DeVito. That's probably what Jesus looked like. So once I heard that, I'm like, I wonder what the wise men saw. <laughs> I wonder what color we Jesus was or whatever. But it's wonderful you have the cross right beside because, yeah, hu- humanity was stirred forever when Jesus came. And, you know, there's people to this day still do not believe that Jesus came as the Son of God to save us. But I'm telling you, if you're wavering about that, please spend time praying and asking God to reveal himself to you because in 2023, let's trust God that we see his moving, his salvation, his deliverance in our communities, in our family, in our own lives, and let's retouch the throne of God and realize that God's presence is with us, never to leave us when we trust him. Let's remember the wee baby, yes, but remember the cross, and it is empty because he rose again, right? You know, that makes such a difference. There's lots of religions in the world that pray to all kinds of gods, but they're kind of dead. Not the faith that people have, but it's kind of misdirected, isn't it? I don't want to pray to a piece of wood or stone or whatever they're made of. I want to talk to the living God. He's alive. And he's alive forevermore. And you know what God's really impressing on my heart so much? And as I get older, I don't know. I'm sorry, young people, because I used to listen to old people talking like I'm talking now. And I used to say, get over it. You know, seriously. 
because you don't feel like this when you're young. But as you get older, life seems to just boom, go right past so fast. We just spent New Year's with our grandkids. I can't believe it. They're all growing up and getting all busy with their lives and stuff. And the whole, hi, Moochie and Pops, you know, good to see you. But they're charging off with their friends and stuff. I'm like, it was two minutes ago I was hugging them as we babies. And now look at them all. Life goes fast. And yet, let me tell you something. There are people in our world and in this very community, and God forbid this church, but maybe, that are willing to trade all of eternity, which never ends, because God never ends, for two minutes of life. Seriously, it's over like that. But no, I don't want to give my heart to God. I want to live my life because there's so much ahead of me and so much stuff, and I want to meet people, and I want to travel, and I want to, want to, want to, want to, want to. Trust me, it's like two minutes, and it's gone. And if you haven't given your heart to Christ and put God first, where are you going to spend eternity? Because you still won't die. But the Bible is clear. There's another place called hell where the spirit of God is absent, but the spirit of evil is real. Do you want to go there? Really? Forever? No. Think about this. Within each, inside each one of us is an eternal soul. And that's why Jesus died and rose again to save our souls. We get all caught up in the physical stuff and who's pretty and who isn't and who's handsome and who's not and who's tall and who's thin and who's not so thin. And we get carried away in all this stuff. And look at the way the world's going right now. I don't know if I'm a boy or I'm a girl. I might even be a dog. haven't worked that one out yet. All caught up in this physical stuff. When in actual fact, our focus should be where? On our eternal souls. That's what Jesus died for. He didn't die so that we could be women or men or something in between. That's not what he died for. He died to save our eternal souls from hell. And that's what missions is all about. You know, you can go with, to whatever country you want, but missions is simply about that. And wherever you go in this world, whatever color of skin people have, whatever size and shape they are, whatever level of education they have or don't have, every human being has an eternal soul. Can we get hold of that in 2023 and realize that that's where our focus needs to be? And stop hating on people. Stop getting mad at people and pushing them away. We don't want to hang out with you. You're weird. 
okay. Maybe they are weird. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. We're all kind of weird, right? That's what she just said. But why do we get all so hung up that we literally push people away? When what should we be doing? What did Jesus say? Come unto me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't say, well, come to me and I'll have a conversation with you and I'll decide whether you're worth it or not. No. We do that as human beings. We decide who's worth our time. God doesn't think like that. God says he will deliver whoever comes to him. Please, can we waken up in 2023 to the reality of who God is and understand that he is a missional God? How do I know that? Because he came from heaven to earth to save us. That's what we've just been celebrating at Christmas, right? He's a missional God. He extended beyond himself, came to us. So therefore, we as followers of Jesus, what should we be doing? Reaching out, reaching to other people, saying, come, come. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the eternal God who died for you. That's what missions is all about. And pretty soon... You're going to be hearing about the action retreat. Have you heard about this on our district? Anybody heard about action retreat? Uh, you know our vice president is Lauren. You know Lauren's, she was Spiker, but she's now married. <laughs> and Lauren is our vice president who will be sending out information to all the churches very soon about the action retreat. What is the action? It means action being involved right where we're at, that every one of us understands that we as God's children should be actively involved in missions. Actively. Already. Oh, I'm not called to be a missionary. Uh-uh. Wrong. Got that one wrong. Oh, no, the Lord didn't call me to be a missionary. Wrong. It's all wrong. Seriously. There's not even half of it right. It's all wrong. Because if you've accepted Jesus, you're already called. That's simply who God is. Reach out. And my dad, you know, my mom and dad were missionaries for about 40-odd years. They're both dead now and in heaven with Jesus. But my dad always used to say in his Belfast accent, you know, if you take a plane or a train or a boat, it doesn't make you a missionary, you know. None of that matters. If you're not serving the Lord right where you're at, you're not going to be any use to him anywhere else. So in the words of Bob McAllister, my dad, let's remind ourselves today, right where we're at. Yeah, God could move us from here. Are you willing for that? That's hard, you know. If some people are born and raised in one area and their moms and dads and grandmas and everybody's around, what? You want me in Hong Kong? No. I don't need to be in Hong Kong. Yeah, well, 
You need to be where God is telling you to be. If you stay here, that's awesome. But make sure God told you to stay here. Don't assume. Just because you were born in a place doesn't mean that's where God wants you. Just find out for sure where God wants you and go. But make sure you go. Even if you stay here, go. You're saying to me, what are you talking about? You are Irish. You're talking daft. How can you stay and go at the same time? Well, you might stay in the sense that you live here, but you can still go in obedience to God to speak to whoever God tells you to, to reach out to people, to love people in the name of Jesus, and to see his salvation at work. That's what it means to go. And it doesn't matter what country, doesn't matter what language, doesn't matter any of that. It matters that we're actively serving the Lord. Now, I've got some pictures to show you because I know you already think I'm weird. <laughs> but I'm even more weird. Um, it's going to come on. Do I do this? No. Next one? No. This is the down one. Do I press the up one? There. My life in Congo. You're like, what? Does anybody know where Congo is? Africa. And it's actually one of the largest countries in Africa. Let me just tell you where I was born. You're waiting. If you look at the atlas, you see the equator runs right through. Go right through Africa. Stop in the middle of Congo. Boink. That's where I was born, in the very middle of the world. Hello. Yes. I was actually born in the Ituri Forest of Congo. There are two equatorial forests in the world. The largest one is in Brazil the Amazon. The second largest is the Ituri forest in Congo. That's where I was born. And my two brothers. Why was I born there? Because it's not my fault. Anybody a missionary kid here? You kind of live with that reality. I don't know why I was born in Congo. My parents were there as missionaries. It's their fault, not mine. So that's where the three of us were born. There's my mom and dad. My mom was a midwife. And she uh, delivered tons of wee babies. The nearest doctor was 700 miles away. So there's stuff my mother did that I don't think nurses are supposed to do. But she got on with it. But she always gave thanks to God because in 40-odd years of, of midwifery work in the Congo, she did not lose one mother. That is a miracle. And my dad, ha, he was actually born in America. He was born in Germantown, Philadelphia. And the reason he was born there is because he was born in the 20s, 1920s, the Big Depression. All of my relations in my dad's side, so his dad, his granddad and all, were all carpenters, and they all worked in the Belfast shipyard. My great-granddad worked on the Titanic. 
And the big saying is, with the Irishmen, the Titanic was fine when it left Belfast. <laughs> it was that stupid English captain that got onto it and ruined the whole thing. So I always say that around my husband, who's like, oh, no, please, not again, because he's from England. Um, so my dad's dad decided to come to America to see if there was any work. So came over to America, to P Philadelphia, Germantown, with his wife and daughter. She was only a little toddler. Then my dad was born, and not long after that, his mom died, because they had no medical care. She died from septicemia, something that could have been cured if they had had a doctor. So my d granddad put my dad and his sister in an orphanage and went on up to Canada to see if he could find work with his cousin who had a farm in Canada. So my dad spent the next years of his life in an orphanage in Germantown, been to that orphanage. It's amazing, the building is still there. Meanwhile, because this is going back to the 20s, eventually his other grandma from the other side of the family heard about this and she was mortified. Two of her ch grandchildren in an orphanage. She wrote to the orphanage, put those two children on a liner. I'm here in Belfast. I'll meet them in the Belfast heart dock and I'll raise them in Belfast. And they did as they were told. So my dad was four and his sister six and they crossed the ocean. And this big, I have no idea how they didn't fall over. But anyway, there they were, came to Belfast. She met them, raised them in Belfast. And guess what? My dad turned 18 just when Pearl Harbor happened. So the Americans called him up, said, right, you're going to fight for us in the Second World War. And my dad always said, a good Belfast man never needs to be conscripted. So he definitely volunteered one week before the conscription was up. He says, I'm a volunteer. You don't have to conscript me. So he was in the first armies of liberation in Europe. He was even at the Nuremberg trials. So my dad was a war vet and went through all of that. And then God called him, well, he had met my mom before, right after military. Then he met my mom, and they both felt called to the mission field. Now, my dad was a tradesman. My mom was also a doffer at that point. She hadn't gone into um, nursing training because they were both working class kids. And working class kids in Belfast did not, they were not allowed to go to school beyond the age of 14. They had to leave school and work full time. So they both went to work in the linen factories. Have you heard of Belfast linen or Irish linen? It's famous material from back in the day. They worked in the linen factories. And it was after all of that and after the war that God called them to the mission field. So they went to Bible school. And in those days, Bible schools were like finishing schools because so many kids were working class kids and hadn't gone to school long enough. So they finished off their schooling in Bible school and then they did their Bible training and then went out as missionaries. But then my mom decided she wanted to be a midwife. So the hospital accepted her Bible college training 
as entrance, and so she became a midwife. Now, I'm telling you all of that to say, is there anything about what I've just told you that would seem, yeah, I can see that, that those two little working class kids with no education would end up as missionaries in the Congo? No! The whole thing was God's idea. All they had to do was say yes. And God put all the pieces together and opened the doors they needed. And they ended up as missionaries for 40 odd years, as I said, in the Congo. Which one was I hitting? The upward one? Yeah. So there we were in the Turi Forest area. That's me in my dad's arms up there and my two brothers. And you see that one in the Land Rover? Yeah, that was my favorite spot. By the way, my dad had no time for Jeeps. It was Land Rover or nothing. He believed in Land Rovers all the way. And that was our wee mud hut that we lived in. And my first little pet was a monkey who lived outside in a tree called Choco. Choco was my wee friend. Right. Now, these are some missionary day pictures. Can you see up in the right-hand corner? That's a baptismal service happening in the Congo River. That's very, very touching to me because a lot of people have been murdered in Congo. It's still going on. There's a lot of fighting going on in Congo. And their bodies dumped into that river. And the crocodiles eating them. And you might say to me, well, you know, what can you expect? It's a hopeless country. No, I'll tell you what's happening in that country. I feel guilty every time I look at this thing. The big moneyed countries in the world are taking all the natural resources out of Congo. The minerals for our phones come, the wee kids are shoved down the mines to get the minerals for this, these phones. Gold, uranium, zinc, copper, all of that stuff in the ground in Congo. So what do these countries do? They pay the government of Congo to be corrupt and look the opposite way. And meanwhile, the people of Congo are suffering. Women are being raped every single day. My brother, have you ever heard of Tear Fund? My brother worked for Tear Fund. He just retired for 30 odd years. He would be called into an area. I don't even know how my brother's still standing, to be honest. Where militia had just been in, and he would go and find bodies macheted to pieces. The women who were alive hiding in little corners, crying their eyes out because they'd been raped. I have a testimony of one girl that was raped by 38 men. 38, one after the other. And she's a follower of Christ. You see, there's some verses I want to leave with you about this whole mission thing. I've already told you about being actively involved. John 10, my sheep hear my voice. 
What about this one? Obedience and self-denial, Mark 8. And calling the crowd to him with the disciples, he said to them, If anyone come after me, let him deny himself or herself. Take up the cross and follow me. You see, when we get involved in missions and when we're following Jesus, it's not a guarantee that nothing will happen to us. No. The very Son of God was nailed to a cross. What had he done wrong? Nothing. He went around healing people, saving people, but he was nailed to a cross. You know, if I stood up here and said, and you can hear preachers on the internet and TV and everything telling these lies, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, you'll be happy for the rest of your life, and nothing will happen to you. Phooey! Lies! All of it! Jesus has never promised that kind of life. Let me read this again. We must what? Take up our cross and follow him. It's not easy. You see this picture up here? Five of those missionary kids were murdered in 1964 by the rebels. My friends, some of my Congolese friends were murdered. Why? People felt like killing them. My family were all lined up to be shot. I was four. And we faced a whole line of guns. And I looked at my mom and I said, are they going to kill us? She's like, shh. They picked up the guns to shoot us and said, we don't know why we can't kill you. You see, our times are in God's hands. I have lived with that my entire life, knowing that so many of my friends were butchered, were thrown to the crocodiles, were shot, and yet I was told, we don't know why we can't kill you. Some of you are ex-servicemen and women. You've seen people die in front of you. Some of you have maybe lived in awful situations where there's been gun, guns going off and people being killed for no reason. When I hear of these guns going off in these schools and stuff, it just breaks my heart. You see, that's the bit we can't control is humanity. And human beings are crazy. Without the Spirit of God, humans are capable of all kinds of horror. It's only the Spirit of God that keeps us. And does it mean that we never have problems? I've just said it. No, the Bible clearly says, take up your cross and follow me. Just like Jesus had to carry his cross, we have to carry a cross. It's not easy following Jesus. But that day, and I'll, I'll just be quick about this, that day, 
Do you see me sitting in there with the, uh, there's a few, two or three adults, and then there's all boys? That's another reason why I'm weird. All my play friends when I was a kid were boys. I had no idea how to play girl stuff, none. I knew how to fire slingshots and, I don't know, do weird things with lizards and all that kind of stuff that boys do. I had no clue how to be a girl, no clue at all. But if you see, there's only one adult man, that's my dad. And those boys there of, of another family called McMillan, we were McAllisters, they were McMillans, their dad was murdered, standing beside my dad. And that morning for our devotions, the two dads were in different places of the campus talking to their kids. And Uncle Hector, we all called each other, called them all uncles and aunts, he said to his six sons and his wife, I don't know when, but God has told me I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be killed in this rebellion. Don't know how, don't know where. But when it happens, do not cry. Don't get into a panic. It's God's will. That very same morning, we didn't even realize this till years later we checked it out with each other. That very same morning, my dad told us all, I don't know how, but God has given me a terrific word. We're going to be, we're going to be evacuated. We're going to be delivered out of this. God has told me that. And those two men stood side by side facing guns, and what happened? I'm not making this stuff up. Uncle Hector was shot to death. And my dad, the same guns, missed him. Just took the skin from his forehead. And my dad always said, growing up in Belfast, made him wise. He says, I knew I shouldn't be standing on my feet like. So he fell down and pretended to be dead. And they came and kicked him and stuff and thought he was dead. Same guns, missed him. God told them both that. Told Uncle Hector, and, and when my mom went out, when the rebels all took off, and my mom went out and brought in Uncle Hector's body, she met Auntie Ione. She says, Ione, Hector's gone. I never once heard my mom said, say Hector died, because she said, when she went over and kneeled beside him, she said the heavens opened, and she knew that Jesus was taking him home. My mom always said Hector went home to be with the Lord. She never once said he died. And she said to Auntie Ione, I own Hector's with the Lord. Her six sons were standing around her. She said, well, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All those boys are all men now. I was the youngest of the whole crew, so you can tell how old they all are now. Doctors, pilots, agriculturalists, they all went back to the mission field and served the Lord for years. And do you know what they say? If, my, if our mom had been angry, had shouted, had said that the Congolese people needed to go to hell because of what happened to her husband, we would have been lost too. We would have been caught up in that hatred. Please understand this with your children and grandchildren. They're listening. 
do not spread hatred. She spread the grace and mercy of God. And the boys all said, we knew God was alive, and Mom told us how to react, and we did. And the oldest one, Kenny, he became a surgeon, and he built hospitals out in Congo, in the very place where his mom and dad served. He trained people in medical work. He wouldn't have done any of that if his mother had told him to hate on the Congolese and never have anything to do with them. Do you realize that's what's happening in a lot of our homes today? Oh, don't have anything to do with them. We don't like them. Um, God has a different story. And he actually loved the world so much. Who? The world. That whosoever, whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Why are we passing on lies to our kids and grandkids? just want to show you this briefly. We were actually rescued after four months being held as hostages. We were rescued by, the, by CIA guys. We didn't know that until 50 odd years later because it was, what do you call that thing when they, when they don't talk about something that's under security or something? We had to wait till that was lifted, whatever that thing's called. What was it? Yes. When it was declassified, then we found out they were CIA, American CIA guys, because the Americans had told the world they had nothing to do with any of that fighting in Congo. Wrong. They were fighting, guess who? The Russians. The Cold War was being fought out in Congo. And they sent these guys, they were, these are ex-Cubans, they had, they had fought against Castro and everything, and America said, we will give you a place to live. They're all in Florida. <laughs> we will give you a place to live if you fight for us whenever and wherever we tell you. So they actually sent the CIA, these CIA guys out to Congo for about five or six years fighting the terrorists in Congo. This guy I'm hugging in the middle, Juan, he's now with Jesus. He's dead now, but I met him when I was in my 50s. It was, you know when Facebook and all that started? That was a lot of years ago, right? I don't know when it was. They started to look for these kids because there were 14 of us kids that they rescued that day. And they wanted to know where these kids were. Now, because of the whole tradition of women changing their names when they get married, they just looked for those, you know, the six Macmillan boys I was telling you about? So they looked up Macmillans and found the Macmillan boys through Facebook, these Cuban guys, contacted them, met with them, said, we're the guys that rescued you. How are you doing? They said that was the only time in their whole military career they were in tears was when they were dri driving us up to the plane to get us out of there. They couldn't believe that these 14 kids were getting on a plane, and they, they just wondered all their lives what happened to those 14 kids. So they were talking to the McMillan boys, and, and Juan said, I had a girl, a little blonde-haired girl, 
on my knee. And the boys said, well, there was a few of those blonde-haired girls, like a lot of our friends were blonde-haired girls. And then Juan said, but this one wouldn't shut up. She kept talking. And they said, Ruthie! <laughs> and so Juan got in touch with me. My husband Andy said, Ruth, I've never seen anything like it. He said, you became four again. I looked at him, I said, you rescued me. He had set me on his knee. My mom handed me to him and said, get her out. Make sure she's safe. He put me on his knee. My mom didn't know he was the machine gunner. So he had the gun right here, and he was machine gunning all up and down the road. I'm here, and all the shells are falling on me. He said, for all these years, I wondered, was your back broken? Were you deaf? Were you burned? What happened? I said, I'm fine, and thank you for rescuing me. Have you ever had that experience of somebody rescuing you from a terrible situation? You never, ever forget that person. It's an amazing gift. And that was the actual um, plane that rescued us. We went on that plane, and uh, I remembered the exact place I was sitting on the plane. It was really an interesting thing. And there's us going back. There's my best friend to the right. I told you my first, um, my first pet was Choco the monkey, and my best friend was Toma. Toma had uh, polio, and you know, out in Congo there was no kind of vaccines or anything, so his legs were always a wee bit twisted. But nobody wanted to play with him because he couldn't run, so he and I played with Choco. And I met him after all these years, and there's my dad, he's now with Jesus. And there's dad up on the right with one of the McMillan boys um, standing where his dad was killed. So, 50-year anniversary. This is us, the McAllister family. Um, there's actually a YouTube channel that our son-in-laws put up for us called the McAllister Family Music. Because we used to record. We were singers and stuff. I'm pretty cool. I might be weird, but I'm cool. We actually have vinyls. Yeah, that's how old I am. We had vinyls called the McAllister Family. And we sang together all up and down Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales. We even came over to the States when I was 15. We were booked to sing with the Gaithers. They had double booked. So we ended up singing with the Kingsmen. Any older people ever heard of them? Yeah, we sang with them. And that's when I fell in love with Congo, or sorry, with the United States. I have written a book. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's called The Guava Tree. And you can get it on Amazon. And it's, it's not a very thick book. It's thin, it's easy to read, but it's my story. And it's called The Guava Tree. And there's a reason that it's called the guava tree, but I'm just putting that out there to say that God put a lot of things in my heart. This is the thing when you follow the Lord. My dad always said this. He remembered me saying, Ruth, when, when you were a teenager, you always talked about living in Switzerland. You always talked about living in Canada. You always talked about living in America. You never shut up about it. And I explained that all in my book. And it's written under my name, Ruth McAllister. That was my husband's idea because he said that all happened before you and I <laughs> got together. Um, and 
I'm saying all that to say it's interesting how you think things are your ideas and you realize when you've lived through your life a lot of years, oh, that was a God thing and I didn't even know. Um, there's also the BBC made a documentary of our family. It's called A Deadly Mission and you, you can find it on that uh, YouTube channel as well. And then my dad, we had a memorial service. Oh, this is a, a university that I um, was on the board for in Congo. This is my dad when he was a young guy. He loved that picture because he rem reminded him he was young <laughs> at one point. He died when he was 95. Um, we had a memorial service for him last, this past summer in Ireland. And we had about... 800 people attend because my family was kind of really well known in Ireland but we had over a thousand people online from Congo and Canada and around the world so it's also on that channel and YouTube just if you're interested why am I saying all this you can go there and find us because if you listen to any of this stuff it's amazing to me the miracle of God's hand on your life no matter you might think God wouldn't call me I'm useless God has nothing for me to do I'm not smart forget it just say yes Lord here I am I'll follow you and leave it in God's hands my husband is from he, he pastors the Fayette Church, by the way, Fayette Church of the Nazarene. He's from England. I grew up in Congo, like I said. Then we grew up in Ireland. Then I was growing up in Ireland when we had the music ministry. And that was during the Troubles in Ireland. Any older people remember the Troubles? Bombs and bullets and everything going off every single day. I met my husband, who's English, met him in Scotland on a bus. We were attending a missionary convention. My family was singing, and he was attending with his parents. We met on a bus. We've been married for 42 years. I think it was God's idea. My, my friend said to me, Ruth, you can't marry an English fella. Don't be stupid. You can't trust the English. Anybody in history class learned about the English and the Irish situation? Yeah. Well, see, I was marrying into the enemy. And that was a no-no. And then Andy's parents thought him marrying Irish, he was marrying the gypsies. You can't marry an Irish girl like that. She don't know anything. She'll have yont road. She don't know how to have a house and a family and all that there. The gypsies are the Irish. Well, they were kind of right. Because I was a missionary kid. So Andy... Has anybody ever been to Fayette? It's a little, small village. There's like 1,200 people in Fayette and five churches, believe it or not. But Andy was raised in a very similar situation in England, a wee, tiny village called Altoffs. And everybody born into Altoffs lives in Altoffs for their whole lives, and it goes on and on, just like Fayette. He married me. He hasn't been back living in, in uh, Altoffs 
since we got married. And he was 20 when we got married, poor kid. So his parents lost him to this Irish woman. They haven't forgiven me to this day. Um, but we've lived in three years in Ireland well, after we got married. Four years in Germany when we attended Nazarene, uh, European Nazarene Bible College where Andy did his first degree. 11 years in Canada where Andy attended Tyndale Seminary and I attended University of Toronto. And then we came to the States in 2000. What did I tell you I kept telling my dad? The countries I wanted to live in? It's God's idea. God kept putting that in my head. And we came to the United States in 2000. Our first two kids were born in Northern Ireland. Our next one was born in Germany. And he's now living in Switzerland, and he works for the United Nations. And then our fourth one was born in Canada. I call her my snow baby, because she was literally born in the middle of a snowstorm in Canada. Four kids from, we're a mess. England, Congo, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Germany, Canada. If any of y'all have any problems with immigrants, ha-ha, chuck me out. We're all now American citizens. But this is the other thing about the United States, and please do not mishear me. I am not making a political statement. I'm telling you the truth. The United States is full of people from all over the world. And you might have political views this way, that way, the other way. But when it comes to following Jesus, the world is right at your doorstep. You don't even have to go to some of these countries. <laughs> They're right here. All that we have to do is say yes to the Lord and keep following. And can I just read you one more verse before I stop? I'm going to end now. Matthew 10, and you might say this is a terrible verse to read. I'm sorry, but Matthew 10, 22. It's about being persistent in your following of the Lord. And you shall be hated by all for my name's sake. This is coming from Jesus. He kind of knew what that was like, right? You mention the name Jesus, there's a lot of people who'll hate you, laugh at you, scorn you, push you away. But what's the last bit said? says but the one who endures to the end will be saved whenever our end is and for all of us it's a different day but the one thing is our lives are in God's hands keep saying yes keep following him be persistent in your walk with him and be mission-minded and you will be amazed at the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ in your own life as well as in the lives around. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you are God. Beside you, there is no one else. You are the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. Father, as human beings, we make things complicated a lot of times. 
We're wanting answers to this, that, and something else. We're wanting guarantees. Lord, all you, all you have promised us is your continued presence. And we thank you for that. And we pray that each one of us here this morning will renew our relationship with you, will renew our obedience to you, and will renew our persistence in Jesus' name that we will follow you wherever you lead and that we will reach people around us with the love and the salvation of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.